podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by thebatmanuniverse.net. Here, we love talking about everything Batman. Thebatmanuniverse.net has news, original content, and reviews about Batman comics, movies, TV shows, video games, and more. Check out thebatmanuniverse.net and join our Discord server to start chatting with fellow fans. We can't wait to talk to you guys. Also, visit our Patreon page and join our other awesome supporters. But enough of this nonsense. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 16, Episode 4. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with me... This is Dev. And this is Theo. And we have a bunch of news and a bunch of comics to review, so let's get down to it. First, news that I'm sure will make my co-host extremely happy. The Boy Wonder Black Label 5-issue miniseries is announced. $6 per issue, or $5.99. Regular-sized issues as far as we know... Written and illustrated by Juni Ba, featuring Damian Wayne as the Boy Wonder and his relationship with his father and brothers. What do you think? I'm excited. Um, it's interesting that it's going to be black label, but, you know, <laughs> we've learned that doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> Is it canon? Is it not? Is it user created? Is it not? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> is, it a, is it a dope dinner? I was going to say, will there be a bad wing? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we don't. I, I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited too. That's thirty dollars out of my pocket, but hey, it's my it's my boy, my favorite Robin. Let's make it happen. Well, it is happening, and I'm here for it. I don't know uh, anything about, sorry, I don't know anything about the writer, artist, whatever. So, Juni Ba is mostly an artist. Um, he did a story with writer Andrew Aiden for the Truth and Justice Digital First collection about Damien and his birthday about three years ago, I want to say. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, I thought the art was incredibly cute. The writing was quite weak, but it wasn't his writing, so that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I wonder if this is going to be a continuation of that somehow. I am curious, because it does seem like... I mean, Ba... It would fit with that, you know? Um, I promised on our Discord chat that I would be very salty, and unfortunately I am. I do really love... Let let me try to make this a, um, a compliment sandwich. So... I love Juni Ba's art. I think it's gorgeous. I think he does a really good job of capturing emotion and character in a very appealing and cute style without being necessarily too simplified. Like, his stuff sort of reminds me of Franco and Art Balthazar's Ah Yeah style, which I really like. 
but it also has a bit more darkness to it, so it can tell a, a bit more of a dark story, which I think is nice. I am a bit irritated by two things in the marketing. Now, these are both things that could be cleared up in the actual book. So I want to say this is just my reaction to the marketing. It's not me saying that the book is necessarily bad. But I don't like the way they're marketing it. First, they release preview pages where Damien kills a dude by decapitating him. And then Batman just looks kind of sad instead of... I'm so sick of Damien killing people in stories. And I know this is Black Label, but I'm just, I'm done with it. Um, and uh, this is supposed to be Damien's relationship with the Robins. And there is no Steph and no Cass. There's a Babs, but I get quite salty, especially right now when Steph is nearly completely absent from all comics for about three months. So my salt flows freely. Um, and then to end, um, I think that it is cool that Damien is getting a I don't I don't really care if it's black label, but I think a mini series really exploring Damien's character and giving him sort of a spotlight is a good thing. So there's my compliment sandwich with lots of salt in the middle, like a lox bagel. I like lox bagels. I have not really tried it because I don't like fish that much. Mm. Uh, yeah, I do not like salmon. So, yeah, you can have that on your own. I'll eat all your helpings. Okay. But you can't touch my bagel, though. However, no, I want bagel. Oh, yeah. I, I love but I'm a I'm, cream cheese man. Me too. Just, re- just regular cream cheese for me. I so, so, true story my very first job while in the ninth grade was working at a bagel cafe. <gasps> Oh, was it like a like a name one or like a little local place? It was a local place. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, my good bagels. Oh, huh? Did they have good bagels? Oh, they had wonderful bagels. Ooh, and we made bagels. our own and we made our own cream cheese. Oh. oh. So if you were the lox person, we would make the lox and we make the chocolate <laughs> cream cheese. And nice. Yeah, I, I definitely gained weight. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious how much weight I gained when I look at worked at Auntie Anne's pretzels. I, Probably not none. Because typically you have to test the product, do you not, Anne? Of course. Of course. You gotta know that the pretzels are good. You don't want to sell <laughs> bad pretzels to people. Not at all. So, yes. So, yes. Give me oh. all the bagels. My favorite are onion and blueberry. Mm. Ew, together? Not together. No. I, no. <laughs> I um, said are, not is. <laughs> oh, nice grabber. All right. So moving to our wait, next. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. I, got, I got a comment on you and your saltiness. You okay. Because you and your saltiness over Steph is funny. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all the Damien's all the time. At least Cass is in the stupid. Uh, Birds of prey. However, it looks to be getting interested now that Babs is showing up. So I may have to start reading that again. Indeed. But enjoy this out. <laughs> Hello? Is anybody there? Can anybody hear me? <sighs> Something going on beyond the gates of Gotham. I need someone to get here as soon as possible. Is there anyone out there? Can anybody hear me? I am not enjoying it, but I'm certainly marinating in it. All salt, all the time. That's right. 
solicitations also dropped last Friday. I think the the Boy Wonder is really the only big news we have in Batman universe. Well, no, 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 sorry. That's not true. That's the big, like, new thing. We have a couple things that are either endings or transitions. The first is Poison Ivy is starting an arc in May that claims to be either a climactic arc or the climax of year two. And I can't tell if that means that they're ending at 24 or if they're going to keep going. I will say my understanding is that Poison Ivy actually does sell. I don't read it, so I don't know. It's not my thing. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just not for me. I think as we get to, as is the case with the next story, that we may be sunsetting on the current creative team. That it, like you were saying, it sells well, so it's probably going to continue with perhaps with a new creative team. Because we're getting into that period of time where we're closing in on San Diego. So it, yeah, yeah. It fits. Next story is uh, Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo are ending their run on Nightwing with a five-part arc starting in May. So that means May, June, July, August, September, ending in September. And it feels like uh, Detective Comics is ending in September, too. So I think there's going to be kind of a big push in October, I want to say new creative teams and maybe new launches which is kind of late in the year i'm honestly a little surprised is it is it i mean because usually they would make the announcements at san diego which is in july or new york comic-con which is in october or september because last year was september right i mean that goes year to year but oftentimes it is october but usually usually those announcements are for things launching in march yeah, so if, it, it sounds about right. Okay, yeah, I I don't know. It just feels... Because, see, technically San Diego isn't July, it's actually August, when it considers that last weekend, typically right. that last weekend in July. And I'm only saying that because TBU will be representing this year. Oh, that's very exciting. But, if you're uh, in San Diego, say hi. But, yeah, I I, I would think that it is right around the correct the correct time for not new launches, but at least new creative teams around the, I guess, you know, yeah, two months, August, September, October. Hmm. What do you guys think about um, the Bruno Redondo returning? I mean, it's kind of weird. He's been doing lots of other stuff like Superman and a bunch of covers, but he's coming back to Nightwing to finish out the run. It's a five-issue arc instead of uh, six issues, which seems a little odd number. And it sounds like they might be getting rid of the backups, but keeping the price point at $5. So any thoughts about any of those pieces of information we have? I think I think I like Bruno <laughs> Redondo better. Who? Yeah, because he's been, has he's been gone for a while. I don't know. Yeah, he's been gone for the last two arcs, I think. Yeah. He, he's she, always been doing the covers. Wish, wish, yes, he has been doing covers. Wish he had done the pirate arc, but you know. <laughs> I mean, that was a terrible arc, so I kind of don't care. <laughs> no, no. If if the art had been nice, at least there would have been some eye candy. But I mean, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Junk food. All Junk wrong, food comics. <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. Huh, all Steph? the wrong reasons. 
We read superhero comics and we're adults. We can enjoy what we want. Oh, yeah. Give her Dan Moore drawing uh, Bruce and Gleb Melenkoff drawing uh, Guru Raz. She is in hog heaven. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what do you think about it, uh, Theo? Um, so I, I think that I, I think the notion of it being a five instead of a six issue arc is strictly from the standpoint of ending it where they want it to end it. In order to do, like you were saying, those big launches in October. Um, and I'm okay with that. You know, it, I'm a fan of Redondo. So having them back to close things out is uh, pretty neat. Uh, I'm happy that they're finally going to be, for once and for all, hopefully closing out the whole artless thing because, you know, when the run first began, you know, it was a really good story focusing on artless and then he he disappeared, then he was back again, and he disappeared, and then he killed um, uh, God dog it, he killed, um, What's his name? And then he was kind of gone again, and now he's supposed to be back again. And who did he kill? Uh, uh, Zuko? No. Oh, the big bad. Uh, yeah, Blockbuster. Oh yeah, Blockbuster. Yeah, what's her name's dad? Oh, oh, oh. Demon dad. Demon. Demon girl's dad. Demon girl. Yeah, remember. Oh yes, yes, the little girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little girl that they had to go to hell in order you to. Know, I might have skips that are i don't remember <laughs> i think tom taylor's done a pretty decent job there were things that each one of us i think at any given point wasn't a super fan of but overall it's been pretty good but i feel like it's time it's time like he's done a great job and i think leaving now is good and it looks like the next arc's going to be I- interesting <laughs> just from the one picture i saw but yeah I th- uh, i'm glad i'm I'm content with what Tom Taylor did. I think you're totally right that this heartless thing is, I kind of see what he's doing, but I'm also ready for it to be done. <laughs> I am waiting for the news that Tom Taylor will be taking over detective. <laughs> no, no. And I guarantee an email. Wait, why don't you watch that? I, no, no, no. I, I can tell you right now. What's going to happen is that announcement will be made. I'll be in the middle of Comic-Con listening to the panel, and I will get a nice message from Ian. I am dropping this book. <laughs> Tom Taylor, for me, is is junk food. Like, I enjoyed, uh, what was it, Knights of Steel? I enjoyed, you know, uh, uh, Deceased. Deceased. I enjoyed... Lots of um, injustice, right? But I wouldn't ever call those like high caliber, deeply thought out (laughs) um, stories, which is what I think Detective Comics needs. Like, I think in a way, Ron V is a pretty good fit for for Detective Comics. I don't like what he's doing, but at least it's it's the it's the a depth of story that I think belongs in Detective Comics. I don't think Tom Taylor is junk food. I don't think he belongs in Detective Comics. Tom Tom Taylor is the type of person where he's not for everyone. I don't think there he's like a Tom King where there's there's no middle 
of the road, you either you like him or you hate him. And except Ian, I think Ian tolerates him some, but pretty much doesn't like him. Um, but that's just me. But I was only joking when I when I said him being on detective. I don't think I personally think Taylor does best on a deceased injustice, dark nice of steel AU type book where he can just go buck wild. Um however I will say if by the end of uh this Grayson fallen fallen Grayson arc something happens to Haley, there are gonna be problems and situations for Mr. Taylor. That reminds me. Although Ian wants him to di- to die. Uh, I don't want Haley to die. I just feel like that's Tom Taylor's pattern. Although I would have expected it a lot earlier. So I might be wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of stuff recently. I do not want oh. Haley to die. Haley needs to join the Super Pets with with Crypto and Ace Alfred. and <laughs> Goliath and Goliath and all of them. Just all of them join the game. He can be Haley can be the oracle of the team since he doesn't have <laughs> I don't I don't understand hmm, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand obviously but I just remember there's this supposed to be all these else worlds and literally none of them have launched what is going on with that like what there was supposed to be a DC versus vampire sequel dark knights of seal spin-off batman the barbarian just a lot of stuff that they're not doing. I don't get it. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we're only in February, but we've got announcements for almost the entire first half of the year, and nothing has launched yet. So maybe they're saving it for October, but they announced it last October. So, well, like you were saying, usually when stuff is announced at New York, it's usually for that March, April, May time frame. So we might be getting something perhaps for June. Yeah, I could see it hat launching in June, like a summer blockbuster type thing. I don't know. It just feels weird. Um, Last, oh, uh, I did not respond to the news. All right, my response. Nightwing is not a title that is something that historically I've cared about. So when I say I don't like Tom Taylor's Nightwing, that is perhaps a bit unfair to Tom Taylor because I just don't necessarily jive with most Nightwing runs. Uh, I would say my favorite was probably Tim Seeley's run in Rebirth. I really enjoyed that run. I do like Redondo's art. I think Taylor's done some interesting things. I feel like I feel like this run just won't be remembered. I think that people will enjoy it while it's here, and then in a couple of years they'll be like, oh yeah, that was fun, but they won't be like, oh man, that Heartless, that was a real classic villain. I guess maybe they'll say that's when Dick and Babs got together and they like that status quo. So they might like that. But how many really romantic moments have we had with Dick and Babs? I mean, do you really like point to, oh, that time they had sex while they had villains in their hideout? Like, that's not super romantic. I don't know. I think it was fun. I I, I enjoyed it for the brush, the fresh air it was in the midst of some slog to get through. I'm going to say a few things. One, I am disappointed in Ian's comments because I was just waiting for party favors and I was waiting for him to start blasting uh, Cooling the Gang in the background. (laughs) And (laughs) 
If I didn't do that for the announcement of Rom V's run ending, why would I do that for Tom Taylor's run ending? Oh, just I was just expecting more. But I I will agree with you to an extent in that I don't think the run as a whole will be remembered. I think there are several parts of it that likely will. Ooh, what uh, are those parts? Let's get well, some predictions in. I, 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 so I think, I think establishing Dick Babs as status quo will be remembered, especially among the Dick Babs shippers. I think that one issue where basically everything was just one big, huge panel that was just, I bought an extra issue simply because I plan on putting that entire thing together one day and just have it around my office. I, I think that will be remembered because that you, you, I think the issue where the entire story was seen from Dick's point of view will be quite memorable. So the whole run might not be remembered, but I think there are just certain things within the run that were. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, I'm I'm in agreement that the Dick Babs thing will be remembered. And yeah, I would say the stylistic experiments will probably be remembered too. But we'll see. I mean... And, but, and the final thing is... Oh, and Haley. Oh, yes, and Haley. Who can can forget about Haley? Yes, we can't forget about Bite Wing. Okay. Last piece of news. Uh, The Folio Society dropped an announcement today of an 85th anniversary Batman celebration volume collecting uh, iconic stories like Batman number one, obviously Uh, one of the early tales of the demon issues by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams and another Neil Adams. And I can't remember the, the writer issue. Uh, The first issue of Batman year one, the first issue of the dark Knight rises. I mean, the dark Knight returns and the killing joke and a couple others, but those are the things I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to be a hundred dollars, a lot of facsimiles. And I believe this edition will also come with an individual facsimile of Batman number one, which is kind of a cool little feely. What do you think about the folio society's Batman? So I am totally not ready for this so much so that I've already dropped my hundred dollars. <laughs> As I post the story to the website, I was on another monitor steadily entering in my PayPal information <laughs> to order my copy. Or and once I get it, computer, so we can steal this copy. <laughs> once I once I get it, I will kindly take pictures for everyone. And yeah, then I want pictures. Kindly store it in my bat vault with all of my other bat stuff. And it will never be seen again until the Lord calls me home and my granddaughter comes and sells it. <laughs> Um, I'm excited for it. I mean, just nice. just from from the description of you know how it's being made and being put together because they're actually using high quality scans from original copies of those issues that uh, that they're using. And if you go to the website, you'll you'll see it. But uh, you know, these are stories that I've already read before, but you know, just the collector's item of it 
and then having that facsimile copy of Batman number one will also just be a nice a nice extra to draw in that slipcase that it's all going to come in. So, yep. Thank you, Folio Society. Enjoy that $100 I, uh, I sent your way. So, in the last three years, I've ventured into the collectible edition market. And I think it's fun. If you really like the book you're buying for, and if you save up, um, or you have enough discretionary income that you can eat, you know, 100 to $300 as an impulse buy. I think it's fine. Uh, I wouldn't really want to get into the collector's market. I know some friends who bought some of the same books I did and flipped it for double the price. I wouldn't really want to play that game because that stresses me out. So I just buy books that I actually want, and I actually do read them. I This is not something for me particularly. Um, to give you an idea... I generally don't buy the super expensive things. I don't buy a lot of omnibuses. If they ever drop either an absolute or an omnibus of Stephanie Brown's Batgirl run, you know I'm going to buy that. But I think that's very unlikely. I've already bought it five times. So um I don't I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. You brought it five times, so what do you do with the other four? Well, I bought the original trades. I bought the new trades in digital. I bought the new trades in physical. I've bought a good chunk of it in singles. Um, <laughs> actually, so it's only four times. And see, I was going to gift you with that art germ cover, but you probably already have it. Oh, uh, which one? The art germ stiff cover. Mm, no, I think I'm actually missing that one. I'm missing Ooh. a bunch of the middle. I have to look out that for you. Look out for that for you again. You can't have mine. I'm just going to put no, it out there. you got to keep your collection together. I think um, I got to sign it too, didn't I? So I, I cannot say that this is a volume for me. Um, I'm much more likely to buy something like, uh, you know, 85 years. Uh, let me think. The last one they did was 80 years of Batman and 80 years of Robin the Boy Wonder. And then there was the 75 years of Batman, 75 years of... And I liked those volumes. Um, those have a more historical aspect, and they also tend to get like writers and editors who worked on those issues to do little commentary stuff. So, like the Robin one had Chuck Dixon talking about Stephanie Brown, and it had like you know Marv Wolfman and all those, and Denny O'Neill writing little essays about Robin. So I really like that kind of thing. This one, I don't know if it has any like additional commentary, which I would think provide value. They, yeah, they do. Uh, oh, I okay. think. Um, oh, what's her name? Jeanette Conner. Yes, she's doing, she's doing, supposed to be doing intros to each story. Oh, okay. Well, that would be, yeah, that'd be worthwhile checking out. Yeah. So I think that for someone who's really into, like, the history of Batman in a really handsome tradition, Poli Society is well known for doing really quality books, high quality paper, high quality binding, and this is slipcased, I think, which is very cool. So if that's your thing, that's the thing. Um, I would say this is probably worth your money if it's something that would give you some joy. Just not me particularly. It's going to give me joy. <laughs> I hope so, because you bought the... <laughs> you spent the dough. I'm just excited. Thank you. All right. So that's all our news. Let us know what you think about any of these news items on the Discord or by email, and we'll be happy to talk about that with you. But in the meantime... No. Let's move to our reviews, starting with Batman number 143. 
Batman number 143, The Joker, Year One, Part Two, written by Chip Zdarsky, pencils by Giuseppe, 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 Giuseppe Camoncoli, and Andrea Sorrentino, inks by Stefano Nessi and Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Alejandro Sanchez and Dave Stewart. That's a lot of artists. In the future, Joker spreads his virus through sound waves. Laughter in Gotham, and Batman, wearing virus laugh sound canceling earphones, heads to Ace Chemicals for a final confrontation. In year one, Batman and Alfred test chemicals from Ace on a corpse, seeing it bleach the skin white. Meanwhile, Dr. Daniel Capito watches Joker absorb his teachings, planning to unleash a cured Joker to plague the man who disrespected him, Bruce Wayne. While Batman tries to punch leads out of thugs, Joker faces an assassination attempt by his former subordinates in the Red Hood gang, but Batman crashes through the window, saving Joker just as he tries to capture him. In the future, at Ace Chemicals, Joker leaves a severed hand. Ooh. Oh, not his own. Okay. <laughs> Joker leaves a severed hand, revolver, and GCPD ring as a clue. Joker rises from the lake like a demon, taunting Batman, who knowingly pulls the trigger on Joker's bang flag gun. In year one, Gordon interrogates one of the Red Hood members, who is also a GCPD cop. Manny, the detective who is also a Red Hood member, sets up his fellow double agent so he can shoot him trying to escape, leading to Gordon's suspension for beating Manny in retaliation. Dr. Capino explains to Joker he wishes to see Batman meet an equal foe and sees a similar darkness in Joker's eyes as in Bruce's. Capito teaches Joker about personality fragments, creating three, the clown, the demon, and cold death. Batman tells Gordon his plan to take down the Red Hood. Bait. In the future, Bruce pretends to have caught the virus, finding Catwoman in the abandoned GCPD station. Using sign language, they communicate and kiss. Selina has captured the infected Bat family, at least Damien, Dick, Barbara, Cass, and Jason, trying to keep them safe. But Joker steals her earplugs and she succumbs, just as Joker also releases the infected Bat family. Joker attacks Capito with a thief's knife, slashing him badly, then steals his clothes and heads out to face Batman, unafraid. So, in this midpoint of Joker Year One, how do you think... What, what do you think sticks out most from this piece of the story? There's a lot going on. There's We've got the future going. plot line with a lot of stuff being in, in, uh, introduced there because Zdarsky is trying really hard to build a whole future out of this. So there's a lot of characters and a lot of world building, even though it's a shorter part of the story. You've got the Gordon plot line. You've got the Bruce plot line. You've got the Joker plot line. There's four different things happening yeah. here. I think it's a lot of things. What was your question? <laughs> what sticks out most to you what from sticks- this middle chapter? Okay. So what sticks out most to me is what I think is the problem with this story. And I think this is probably something we'll touch on in our discussion later. Is that for me, the flash forwards, the art is so gripping the story is so much more higher stakes. I think it overshadows the main story. 
which is supposed to be a year one, and having a year one story that is being overshadowed by the Batman Beyond part of the story um, is a little sad, I guess. I don't know. I mean, not that I, I really... that's a really good point. That is fascinating because i've seen a lot of people on twitter posting those pictures like especially of joker rising out of yeah, the way like, that's oh my really gosh. creepy it's creepy af and like if i was into joker <laughs> i would again i think i said this last time there's totally panels i would want framed if i like joker um <laughs> which i don't which so i don't not, but not a worry for me but it does stick in my memory i will say that yeah and like i mean what happened in the other story i mean Gordon had a crooked, found a crooked cop. <gasps> Shocking. <laughs> the crooked cop did a crooked thing. <gasps> Shocking. <laughs> and Joker didn't get caught. <gasps> Shocking. <laughs> um, those were all sarcastic. Um, I mean, I think the only thing of note from the flashback is um, how stupid, and this is more, I guess this is more in the, in the next story, but just how uh, hubris <laughs> Hubrisly is that a is that a adjective adverb? Hubristic. Hubristic. Uh, the doctor is um, in basically helping create the madman the Joker is, um, and it kind of seemed like Joker knew from the beginning that Batman was Bruce Wayne, but yeah, those were kinds of things that that struck me, but definitely not, <laughs> definitely not really the story of the flashbacks. So first, I'm going to say that I hope. That uh, such as was the case with Future State, that this is a future that does not come to be. Um, I, I just, I don't know. It just everything feels off about it. Although I will agree with my co-host with just how good Andrea Sorrentino is as an artist. I've been a fan since. The imposter that he did with Matt Tomlin, although the story wasn't all that great, the art was just killer. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'll say that in a good way. And then, of course, he was also with uh, Jeff Lemire on Gideon Falls, which, mm-hmm. you know, for someone who isn't a fan of horror and thrillers, was also just. <laughs> but um, like Steph said, that the. the this really could have been two different stories, you know, it, it, and you'll hear us continually say this. It just, there's nothing about this, even in the flashbacks that make it feel like a true year one story, you know, and, and Ian kind of touched upon it in the last episode where this just doesn't seem like something that you could hand someone to say, okay, if you want to know and want to know how things started off and catch you up, this is where you start. And I just, this doesn't do it. And I, I, it, it just, there's a lot that's going in there that can be quite distracting, especially when you're dealing with such good art that you just want to look at it over and over. So I was going to say that it was the Dr. Capito storyline that stood out to me because i love the night as everyone knows i I talk about it too much well in my opinion i don't talk about it too much because i love it i think it's really good but uh i think i would agree with steph that it is this future stuff that's standing out that has so much energy and is not just in the art i think that 
Zdarsky really does capture some eerie things in what he's constructed with Sorrentino. So, I don't know. I, I do think that it's clever what Zdarsky's doing with the three Jokers being personality fragments. So it's, I appreciate that even though he has Capito have basically his own version of Zurinar with his own weird name and red text boxes, he doesn't have the Joker do, uh, you know, the Joker of Zurinar or something. He does the clown, the comedian, uh, the, so what was it? The clown, the demon and cold death. And I think that's, that's clever. Doesn't really do anything with those here. So that sort of reinforces something that that really underlines my comments from last episode, which this is a chapter in Zdarsky's ongoing story. And as someone who really is more or less enjoying Chip Zdarsky's ongoing Batman story, I appreciate this. I think year one is a marketing tactic. It evidently is a reasonably effective one. A lot of people are talking about it. This is not a year one story. Um, I'm a little disappointed because I love the year one brand and I don't think this will really s make sense. I mean, I know they're going to publish this as a year one. They're going to give it its own volume. They're probably going to give it a hardcover release with a bunch of blah, blah, blah. I feel a little bad for someone who picks this up and like, oh, I love Joker in the Dark Knight or I love Joker in that the Joker movie. Or no, it's just Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Um, <laughs> I didn't see it. I don't know. I don't. I didn't see it. Uh, me neither. <laughs> but we all got the comment. But I think that someone who picks this up is going to be like, "What?" Because you need to read the Killing Joke. You need to read Zero Year to really understand almost anything that's going on in this comic. I think. Well, no, no, no. That's not true. Yeah, but, no, no. I think, but but it has some truth because. Again, kind of like you, I made it a point to forget about Zero Year. <laughs> and because all sensible people should. It was a terrible story. It, you, you know, and, and, you know, now I've said this multiple times where what really killed, excuse me, what really killed the, the Scott Snyder run, what really killed the Scott Snyder run was Zero Year. It was all down. For some reason, every single run that I've ended up disliking always had a particular point in time where it just went by the wayside. For it's Scott Snyder, shark. Yeah, yeah. For Scott Snyder, it was zero year. For Tom King, it was number fifty, and <laughs> it, it 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 and it never fails. But you have to read those stories, and if you 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 don't or you're like me and you force yourself to forget, it can be a tough follow. So that is a very great point as far as picking up, picking, picking it up and having to go at it. Cause I and don't want to read there a year again. And I think if you just, you know, said this is the next chapter in Batman and it happens to be a Joker flashback with a flash forward. I think that'd be fine. I, I understand that. Again, this is a marketing gimmick they're pulling. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, editorial did this. Zdarsky's like, well, I really want to do a Joker part of this. And he, he pitches them this flashback. And then, you know, Ben Abernathy at the time is like, but what if we made it Joker year one? And then it had a huge hit of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So, so here's, and here's what gets me about it, and this what had me excited, and what makes it seems more seem more like a big flop. And listeners wouldn't know about this, but we all do on the back end. Um, in the system, in the platform where we receive our review copies from DC, there is this huge folder that's titled Year One, and in this folder. There are all of the great year ones that we've read and we've received over the year. Batman, Batgirl, Robin, Nightwing, all of these great stories that you could give to someone and say, hey, this is a start. And so without reading Joker year one, you you would think, OK, they're, they're going to line this up with that. And then you open up issue 142 and it's just what is this? And it just, it, it deflated me. Well, I think any last points, I feel like we've really got some good discussion there that covered most of the whole book. Um, and since we've got the, the third part, I kind of want to move on to that. Well, so uh, hold on. Who's in the prison cell? Cause it looks like a Robin, a Batman, a red. Oh, I couldn't figure it out. A Nightwing. I said, I said Damien, Dick, Barbara, Cass, and Jason, but I'm not convinced I'm completely right. I don't think you are, because I think there's only one girl, and then I can't... It might be Duke, who I think is Cass. I don't know. Uh, it might be Tim. Like It's it's weird. It's hard to see. He doesn't name them. Yeah, I don't... I mean, Barbara is the commissioner, so yeah, we know sure. that's the redhead, yeah. obviously. And I'm pretty sure Damien's there, because it's got the high-collar Batman. But like, everyone else, I don't really know. Yeah, so then who's the Robin? So I was thinking maybe it's a new Robin or something. Could be, could be. Yeah, it is supposed to be the future. I would guess probably year twenty. I would say probably, yeah. but I, it's it's not super important. It's I'm I'm a little <laughs> again my salt flows. There is no Steph, so I'm a little salty. But and Steph is uh, and and Theo is just drinking my uh, my tears right now. So Selena's hair to... is fabulous. <laughs> I just want to say she's Selena. Selena looks great, and I think that was so creative. That is not a Catwoman that I expected but it it was kind of heart stopping when that page turns and it's just like bam Selena. i am going, i am going to say what i said in our version of off panel land i.e before we started recording i seriously thought that was silver thing cloud no! <laughs> he's doing this to get steph he tears is. too he, he just craves the tears crazy all right so let's give this a rating out of five milk and cigarettes for um, Lieutenant Gordon at this time. You know, for all its 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 detractors, and like if we're rating this as a year one, yeah, it sucks as a year one. But I don't know. I don't know. this it, is chapter six in the Zdarsky Bat epic. <laughs> yes, as chapter six in the Zdarsky Bat epic. This is so interesting, and I am enjoying it very very much. I would say three seven five between like the art and the story and how interested I am in the <laughs> bat cactuses. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a full point two five points right there. I think so too. But yeah, three seven five. I gave part one a three for pretty much the same reason I'm giving this one a three. All right. So I'm giving us a three five. I thought this is quite enjoyable. It didn't quite bump over, and I will say that the uh, the lack of stuff probably does bring it down that point two five percent. Um. And over on TBU, Scott gave it a one. He was extremely <gasps> salty. Oh, no. <laughs> so this is not my fault. I'm just reporting what Scott said. 
that gives us an average score of 2.81 and no mode, so I am sad about that. Hey, you got a second? The Batman universe is looking for Batman fans with something to say. If you're interested in writing reviews of your favorite Batman books, or you want to contribute original content with articles like the top 10 forgotten Batman villains, or why dead Didio's exit from DC was the worst thing to ever happen, then we want to invite you to join our TBU staff family as a writer. Just reach out to our email, tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net, and let us know that you want to become one of our writers. It's that easy. And honestly, there's no reason not to. You get exclusive access to our TBU staff Discord server, you get early access to comics, and you meet a lot of cool people. What are you waiting for? Email us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net and let us know that you want to become one of our writers. Let us move to Batman 144. The Joker Year One, Part 3, written by Chip Zdarsky, pencils by Giuseppe Comencoli and Andrea Sorrentino, inks by Stefano Nessi and Andrea Sorrentino, and colors by Alejandro Sanchez and Dave Stewart. In the future, Bruce uses a smoke bomb to distract his Jokerized family and heads into the GCPD station, the Joker following, looking for the answer to Joker's clues. In Year One, Bruce gets a call from Jim. No movement from the Red Hoods towards his lavish, rich, and wealthy party for the Gotham Opera bait plan yet. Jim watches the Red Hood slash Detective Manny, but realizes that Manny is going to rob the GCPD itself that night. Jim is shot in the shoulder, but as he struggles to his feet, the Joker, disguised as a party clown, releases gas from balloons in the fray into the fray. In the future, Bruce stalks the halls of the GCPD, thinking through Joker's clues. The second Red Hood, Commissioner McCloud. He knocks out Jason Todd, the third Red Hood, and finds a laughing bag that draws a bat to crash through the window. The Joker appears, saying he spared Batman all these years because of his love, and Batman retorts he spared Joker because of his restraint. In the past, Bleeding Gordon confronts the evil McCloud, leader of the Red Hoods, after Joker. They trade blows, as Manny is taken out by Joker's toxin in his getaway van. Gordon wins, gaining the respect of many cops, and Batman looks at him from outside the station, an ally. Meanwhile, Manny wakes up in the Joker's prison of mirrors, finding previous test subjects for Joker's toxin, and then falls prey to Joker's statistic knife work. In the future, Batman figures out that Joker's sound virus is cured by bat echolocation, the plague caused and cured by Joker. He finds Commissioner McCloud's body, the test subject for Joker's sound virus, cures the city and sends help to the rest of the world, then embraces Selina in Wayne Manor. In year one, in a bar, a bunch of local roughs are pleased at Commissioner McCloud's sentencing, but Joker walks in and everything goes black. I was confused this whole issue. Oh, yes? Tell me of your confusion. I just didn't know what was going on, really. Like, I didn't quite understand what the Red Hood gang was doing with the 
drugs and who was in on it and what they were doing. I mean, I guess in the end, it doesn't really matter all that much. Um, so Commissioner the new Red Cloud, Cloud, he was leading was, the Red no, I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did get that. And so he wanted to steal the drugs and sell them himself and get the money. There was just a lot of moving pieces. And then I didn't quite there understand were. why the echolocation cured everybody and why the bats were following Batman and why Joker was doing this whole, I love you, I hate you, I don't know about you, or whatever. I don't know. So, I mean, the science is obviously complete nonsense, but <laughs> Batman, what do you expect? <laughs> um, I think it's supposed to be symbolic. Like, the Joker causes the plague through laughing and cures it through a bat. So he, he then, he 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 gave the cure on purpose. Like, that was just his fun. Yes. Okay. All right. I will only say that the echolocation is probably more believable than falling to earth with your underwear wrapped oh, around your face. Oh, my gosh. Falling to earth with his underwear wrapped around his face was awesome, though. <laughs> I still like that part. It's go. It's completely ridiculous. I'm not defending it as realistic, but I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, again, we just get a bunch of stuff that's just all over the place. So, so here's here's what I here's my big question that I want to discuss. This issue wraps everything up, and I will say the first time I read it, I was also really confused. But I read it a couple more times, and when I was constructing the summary, I started to see how all the pieces fit together. But there's kind of a summary quality to the way a lot of them fit together. Like, Zdarsky was zooming because he only had three issues. And I feel like if he had one more issue, he could have really developed the four different plot lines. And I feel like it might have landed better. What do you think? Do you think he needed another issue or two? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's not, like we're like we've been whining this whole time. This is not a good year one. There's too much property taken up by the very interesting and intriguing future story which doesn't really have too much to do with anything other than i mean it's got the commissioner but like that's like a footnote at the end of the story yeah it really is and like and i guess you have the 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 doctor in the flashback is trying to draw parallels between joker and bruce and then in the future you have the joker's weird relationship with batman and so i guess i I don't don't know so yeah i feel like too much real estate was taken up with the flash forward story even though i enjoyed that significantly more than the flashback story and then i just feel like it was a flashbang story about joker in the past like i don't think other than his relationship with the doctor and the stuff happening with the doctor like there was no arc for joker's de- continued decline into jokerhood like him taking out the red hood gang didn't really affect him other than he was more willing to do it because of the time he spent with the doctor so anyway all that to say yeah i wish i wish there had been more fleshing out of the flashback story would you have preferred the Dosky do a the joker the clown Ten issue maxi series. Doug, no. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like a one off single issue about the Flash Forward. I'd read that, but not a tens. No, Ugh. Just watch the Joker go from the leader of the Red Hood gang and then consistently just fall further and further down the rabbit hole into the menace that we have today. I'm not that interested. <laughs> Unless it's paired with like Batman. 
something parallel with Batman. Batman doesn't even have to well, be fighting Joker. I think it would be kind of interesting to see them parallel development, like kind of like Batman and Joker the anti-Batman. I think that would be kind of interesting. But yeah, if sorry that focused 100% on Joker, I would just get bogged down with the negativity and the yuckiness. I I I definitely don't think we needed te- we need 10 issues on the Joker's <laughs> backstory. No, I was you, just drawing it out there as the whole right the a parallel comic. to the night, and I I, I yes. definitely see what you're saying. I just think that honestly, I just think we needed one more issue because if you had yeah. one more issue, you could really kind of get into the meat of the Gordon story. You could develop the whole McLeod being the leader of the Red Hoods, so it didn't feel so tacked on, mm-hmm. and you could maybe give the future a little more depth to to sort of give the ending a little more of a landing now here's here's the thing i will say i am 100 percent sure that this is setting things up that zagashi is going to pay off later so i understand why it is the way it is but that just goes further to say that this is chapter six and not mm-hmm. joker year one yeah but i think if you gave him another issue he he might have been able to turn it into a, a satisfying joker year one in addition to being chapter six i don't Ooh. know for sure but i feel like maybe it would have been a little more complete and whole than itself. Or you just separate the flashback from the flash forward, have them as two different arcs, and everybody's happy. Well, but then everybody would be super into the future stuff, and the the past stuff would be less interesting. (laughs) Totally. But but it would give you the opportunity to add that extra oomph that you said need. Or just give it a couple of extra issues. (laughs) No, please no. (laughs) And considering Steph Virginia is, I don't know what I'm going to say about the next talk either. <laughs> I am excited. But as I said, I have been enjoying. Uh, I think I know why you're excited. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I was moving my Popeyes around. Oh, Popeyes. What'd you get? Popeyes. Chicken. Did you get spicy? Did you get black, uh, dark meat? Did you get white meat? Okay, okay. So did you hold get up. a biscuit? Me, did you get no, the sandwich? Let's become the Popeyes Chicken Comic Podcast. Let me let me give you all a lesson, okay? As someone born and raised in New Orleans, where Popeyes was born, Popeyes is delicious. If you are not eating spicy chicken, you are not eating Popeye's. <laughs> you cannot be a friend of mine if you go into a Popeye's and say, let me get a two-piece mild, dark, or white. No. No. I know one person, one, who, who will order mild and... I tolerate this person because she's a really she's a really good friend and she's my boss. So <laughs> I'm just gonna say I'm a KFC man and leave it at At my Popeyes, I just say please give me whatever food you have because they're always out of chicken. <laughs> what? Yes. Why even go to Popeyes if there's no chicken? Because well, our our Popeyes is the saddest thing in the world. Oh my god. Okay, so yeah, and and let me also tell you folks out there that woman that's in the Popeye's commercials always talking about how things go in New Orleans probably doesn't know New Orleans from the back of her hand mm-hmm. because that's not a New Orleanian at all. Neither was her predecessor. I could do a better New Orleans than any of those folks. But anyway, yeah. yes, do not ever ask me if I'm eating mild chicken. I will, if they mistakenly give me mild chicken, I will 
the Popeye's closest to me is about two miles away. I will drive back. <laughs> Take this bloop and no, give me my. I, if Popeye's so their skin, just as the, just the spicy skin, they can have all my money. <laughs> um, now I need to get back to joking here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> That was fun, y'all. Ian forgot all of the questions he had for us. I should have written them down. I was hoping the conversation would flow naturally, but instead it flowed into chicken talk. <laughs> um, so, um, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of hinted at, but I do feel like this ending feels a bit rushed. Uh, would you agree, or do you think that the ending works okay? Oh, it's definitely rushed. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's okay, for sure. Uh, I just, yeah, wish that maybe there'd been more connection between old and new, and that, I don't know, we got to see, like, I was, it, the end of the of the flash forward goes so fast, I kind of missed that, or I didn't miss that they cured everyone, but it, it's kind of like it's a sentence, you know? I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot that happens in those narration boxes that I feel like they should, Zdarsky should have figured out how to get Sorrentino to be able to show it better. Yeah. Um, and then definitely, I mean, the, the flashback is just bang, 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 bang. And I just feel like... It's really fast. It almost had nothing to do with Joker in the end in the last issue. Like, it was all about the Red Hood gang going down and Joker's there. But, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, it I don't was, know. I, I don't feel like it says anything about Joker. No, it doesn't. Other I mean, than his okay, interaction so, with the so doctor. I, I, so I, 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 let me, I misspoke. I don't think the flashback says anything about Joker. I think the the future does. Like, the whole thing about where Joker provides both the the plague and the cure. I think that's something that Zdarsky's going to be playing with as he goes forward. But, like, the past stuff, he, he does set up three Jokers as personalities, possibly? But that doesn't really play into anything in the plot of the story. And it just ends with Joker killing a bunch more people. Theo? Oh, nothing. Nothing additional than what I already said. Oh, okay. Let's get to ratings then. I want to know how many ratings you give Batman 144 out of five bat squeaks. <laughs> um, yeah, ending fell a little flat. Um, I'd say maybe, maybe 275. Oh, wow. That's no, a three. A three. A three. A three. A three. Oh, okay. Yeah, a three. I will maintain the score I've been given it from the start and end it with a three. Well, I would like to say that uh, I put my scores on the spreadsheet before so that no one can accuse me of setting the mean <laughs> on purpose. But I also said three. And Scott over on TBU said 2.5, which is fascinating that he came up a full point and a half. He still drags our score down to 2.88 overall, but our mode is a solid three from the three of us on the cast. So that's what I'm going with. Do you want to give the whole the whole arc an overall score? I'm sure. What would you give the Joker year one, all three issues out of five? Um, as a year one? Um. Or just as a story? I mean, for me, as a year one, I would just give it a thumbs down. Yeah. I don't know if I give it a number. <laughs> um, I would say maybe a 3-5 th total. Yeah, a 3-5 total. Very solid, very engaging. F 
fantastic yeah, I think that art. the balance between the past yeah. and the present, I mean, the past and the future and the art, yeah. Yeah. Theo, what do you give the arc? A three? I mean, you gave everything a three, so. Average it out. That's right. Three. Okay. <laughs> Nine divided by three is three. I'm going to give it a three five overall, because I do think that there are things like the Joker creepily coming out of the water and Batman and Catwoman kissing in the future. Um, and I like the fact that it ties into Batman the Night. So those things drag it above average to a three five for me. Um, I'm fairly sure that Scott would give it like a two overall. <laughs> but we didn't ask him, so I'm not going to speak for him. All right. Now we're going to move to our last review of the podcast, which is Batman and Robin number six. This is titled Family Ties. It's written by Josh Williamson. Art is by Nicola Chismashia. Colors by Rex Locus. Batman and Robin watch Zack, a student at Gotham City High School, as he plays the perfect popular student by day, obsessive disciple of Zaz by night. On the day of Zaz's court date, Zack stages a quote-unquote rescue of the murderer, and Batman and Robin square off against Zaz and Pupil. However, after wounding Batman by using a guard as bait, Zaz takes Zack hostage, and Robin saves the boy. Damien is tempted to murder Zaz, but Zack pleads for the life of his quote-unquote father. Surprised, Zaz treats Zack with contempt, giving Batman the chance to take him out. Robin discovers Zaz killed Zack's parents a few years ago, and Zack's mind created a fantasy where Zaz was actually his father. Damien claims someone trained Zack, and once again turns his focus on Principal Stone. At school, Damien confronts Stone, calling her Shush, and Mistress Harsh, his old teacher in the League of Assassins. But she doesn't seem to react, and Bruce intervenes to prevent Damien from lashing out at his bullies, though Damien claims he wouldn't have acted. Later, in the Brownstone, Damien practices his drawing and shows Bruce his work when asked. Br Bruce praises his son and says he doesn't have to go to school if he doesn't want to. But before Damien makes a choice, the Man-Bat alert sounds, leading them to a mob of Man-Bat supporters. When they arrive, however, Flatline beats the crowd up, then demands a conversation with Robin. So let's start with the end. Flatline has returned. How do you feel about this? How do you like her reintroduction? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but I have to confirm this. I was busy cuddling my kitty while you were giving. Um, yeah, she's like jumping up in his arms and he's holding her. <laughs> um, that seems cute. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with that. I guess he thinks of her as his girlfriend, if I remember correctly. Although she told him not to do that. I'm excited. I think that Flatline is a really interesting character. I think that sometimes Williamson falls into trying to sound too hard like a cool kid when he's writing kids. And this seems a little bit like that. There's something uh, it just feels a little less well-crafted about these last couple pages. Um, but I am very excited to see this relationship develop because it was one of the things that I think Williamson did a good job of. I mean, I thought Williamson did a bunch of good things in his Robin run, but I thought that Flatline was an especially interesting part of that run. So I'm excited to see that back. Um, what do you think about the resolution of the Zaz plotline? So this is just a little, it's basically a 1.5 issue arc. It's not even a full two issues to resolve this plotline. But how do you feel like it resolved with Zach and Zaz? Um, it made sense. Like, I think we 
talked about it last time that like ew who would <laughs> who would yeah. ever um in twitter parlance wouldn't for zaz yeah. um i think it added a layer of, of intrigue for me like so who did train zach like why why was zach doing like why was he as uh talented as he was i mean not that where did he get the RPG? Yeah, not that, not that Zaz, you know, not the criminals being your father makes you talented at crime. <laughs> um, but the whole thing about it being in his mind added a layer of insanity to Zach that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, and it just confirmed what we said, which is that, ew, no one would ever procreate with Zaz, or if they did, they would not live long enough to deliver the baby. Yeah, I'd agree. I um, I kind of wish that this had been a three-part arc. Um, not because I think emotionally it needed more, um, but things like Damien discovers suddenly that all this information, I feel like it would have been cool to have a scene where he actually does the research and you know, finds those clues. And so it feels a little abrupt, but it's fine. Not everything has to be a big arc. I just feel like the way this was paced feels a little off. Uh, I did like the confrontation with Principal Stone. Do you think that she is... I mean, we've talked about this a little before, but she completely doesn't react when Batman... I mean, no, sorry, when, when Damien accuses her of being his old teacher and shush. Do you um, think I that's think... just because she's a great actress, or do you think that we're still on the misdirect train? I, I think that for sure the whole thing with Zach was a red herring. Like, I think that was kind of set up to make you think that was going to be a big arc, and then it wasn't at all. And I think that... I think that was the intention? That's what I got from it, anyway. Um, and I think the the arc is, like, who is the teacher? And I think it would be interesting, of course, for Damien to be wrong, or only half right. Um, which is what I think I would enjoy. I always enjoy seeing Damien <laughs> learn a lesson, or be wrong about something. Um... But, yeah, the fact that she didn't react, I think, is is a reaction in and of itself. Like, if my student came up to me and says, you're, you're shush, you're lady harsh. I'm like, I don't. What? <laughs> Are you okay? Did you hit your head? Like, obviously she is hiding something. But what is she hiding? I, I'm hoping that it's a misdirect. Because I feel wait, like... Wait, 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 wait. I stepped away. What was the question? <laughs> uh, the question was... Damien accuses his principal, Principal Stone, also the coach of the soccer team, of being Shush and Mistress Harsh, his old teacher from the League of Assassins. And the way I read it is that she doesn't react at all. And so do you think that this is... Do we still think it's a misdirect? Or do you think that she is just a really good actress? Like, What are your thoughts on Principal Stone after this issue? I am still... I am still thinking it is a misdirect and it's going to end up being the teacher and not Principal Stone. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on the same boat. Um, I like Principal Stone. I kind of hope that she's not a villain because she's doing so much good for the youth in Gotham, you know, and Gotham needs all the help it could get. So it's kind of my feeling. I don't know if it's because I want her to not be evil or if I'm reading the clues correctly, but we'll see. Um, I I wanted to make one little comment. I know that Steph wasn't a big fan of Nicholas Cheesemansia's art, but I really liked the way 
Zach had like a Z in his hair part. I thought that was kind of a fun little clue. I'm not saying it was talentless grotesquerie. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not a super fan. It seems I don't like his face. I don't. I, I was sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go I was ahead. done. I was just mumbling because Bruce is not attractive. <laughs> Am I shallow? Yes, yes, I am. It's just, I, I like, I like the art, just like as I did the last episode. I mean, he puts touches of manga in it. At least I think he does, considering I am the green one when it comes to that sort of thing. But I mean, sometimes, like when I'm looking at the soccer game or how Bruce. Going back to the previous issue when Bruce walks up with the plate of pancakes and it just looks like something that we'll see in an episode of Pokemon or something, <laughs> you know, with just that that anime manga feel to it. But, you know, I, I enjoy it. And I think the colors are just extravagant. All right. Uh, and Theo, what do you feel about Flatline's reappearance? Is it Maya Dukart? If it's not Maya Dukat, me don't care. I see we're being consistent. I approve. All right. Let's give Batman and Robin number six and a rating out of five wacky teen villains. Um, 3.25. I will give it a 3.75. All right. I'm giving us a 3.5. And over on the website, Daniel gives it a 2.7. So that gives us an overall score of 3.3. So pretty solid comic, I would say. Let's move to Greater Gotham. Did you see how he quickly moved on from that? Seeing that we didn't have a mode? Steph, you said that, right? <laughs> I don't have a mode, and it does make my heart very sad. But I got a three-person mode on Batman 144, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> All right, Greater Gotham. Batman, City of Madness, number three, the finale. Upstain. I, I wasn't as crazy about the ending as I thought I was. If it would have ended better, it would be a thumbs up. But right now it's just a, it ends with a neutral. So I didn't read the finale, but I did look through the art. Because especially with Christian Ward's art, I feel like it's a much more art focused book. And I didn't. I get what he's going for, sort of Batman Cthulhu thing, but I feel like there wasn't quite scary enough, and it didn't quite get me emotionally invested. Now, that could be because I didn't read anything of issue two, but I'm going to go with a neutral as well. Now, Red Hood, The Hill, number one of six. I went back, and I read issue zero, and I read issue one, and it's very interesting. I liked it. Thumbs up. Wait, 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 wait. What are we doing again? Uh, Red, Red Hood... The Hill, number one. Thumbs up. I'm giving this one a neutral because there's too many characters I don't care about. There's a ton of interesting ideas, but I feel like not. I'm just not invested enough. And that's also partly because I'm not a huge fan of the art. But it's not bad. Outsiders, number four. <sighs> what did I say? Hold on. Thumbs up. The man. I wasn't quite sure what I was supposed to think by the end. <laughs> 
What did I give it? I gave Outsiders a neutral. Yeah, I'm also giving it a neutral. I'm a little disappointed in this one, but I still like the art, and there were definitely things I liked about it. So it's not bad. I'm just... The last three issues... The first three issues I was really kind of really enjoying. So this is a little step down for me. Uh, I get what they're going for, but it didn't quite land. It, it kind of felt like an outlier. Yeah. I feel like it dipped a little too heavily into the planetary thing and didn't quite do enough regular DC stuff, but I understand that does have to happen given the premise of the book. Now, Nightwing, number 111. Uh, thumbs up, but I, I did not really want to read that back up. And so I guess it averages it to a neutral because the backup was stupid. I had to go back and look at the, the backup again. Hold on. It's uh. it's the son of Grey, and it's like a medieval take on Nightwing, and I... Oh, yeah. No. And some yeah. random medieval Joker shows up. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It was weird. Yeah, that that was a neutral. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier when talking about Tom Taylor, we got Heartless popping back up again, this time in Gotham, although they don't think it's... Heartless, heartless. It's the copycat. So, eh, it was okay. I, I, I just wish the. I'm, I'm, I'm happy we're finally getting the end of Heartless. It's just that we have to wait another month or two before we get there. Ah, uh, I feel. I feel like I have to go neutral because I'm not actually mad about this issue, but I don't like it. And we're going to end with the backup for issue number six of uh, Wonder Woman. What about... Oh, I guess I didn't read Catwoman. Uh, we didn't read those, oh, so oh, I'm just I, leaving them off. I did read... So I did read Sinister Sons, and it's pretty cute. Um, but that's not Greater uh, Gotham. I'm not be, putting that on there. It could be. It could be. I'll keep it's reading not. and I'll tell you. I'll tell it you if it is. I'm just letting you know that I'm reading it, and it could be, and I'll, I'll let you know if it is. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm reading Green Lantern, but I don't bring it up that often. But Sinister Suns has variant covers that have the Super Suns on it, so it could be. World's Finest had Stephanie Brown and Supergirl on it, and that was a lie. So it's I don't true. trust variant covers. It's true. It's very true. Wonder Woman number uh, six. Thumbs up. It was pretty cute. I am scared now that they're going to try to hook John and Damien up in the book. I don't think oh, so. oh God, don't, 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 don't you put that evil on us, but, Stephanie. Yeah, Mount. <laughs> don't think so. Put, don't you put that evil. I will literally hunt Tom King and Ben Abernathy and whoever else greenlit that and just call them all types of Well, it's just because of the last movie. issue before this one. I don't know, but kangaroo one. Yeah, the kangaroo one. John had that throwaway line about Damien not being straight, and so I don't know. I'm just scared. Oh, that that was just a a joke about '80s movies and hyper masculine stuff. Okay, you think? Okay, I I don't think so. I think that I feel like Tom Taylor. I mean, sorry, (laughs) I'm doing the thing. I feel like Tom King is really going for like a real sibling vibe between the three of them. I don't think he's going for romance with any of them. Okay. All right, good. All right. I'd be so pissed. Two thumbs up. We 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 we, we can't marry Bruce and Selena, but we're gonna hook John and Damia. Uh, hell no. Let's not do that. I I would rather not. Please no. 
I especially uh, don't want to va- validate all the people who like drew underage inappropriate yeah, art of those two. So yeah. like, let's not. Yeah. Uh, thumbs up for me. The only thing that really drew me off was the fact that they brought us back to the past again after shooting us into the future. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that he's not going linear in the time frame. Because it started off when he was, she was really young, like four. And then she grew up into like six or seven. And then she was like, how was it, like 14 in the last one? And no, now she she's like, back to she's six. like 13 in the second one and probably late teens, early 20s in the third one. And now yeah. she's back. Yeah. And then, of course, she's like actually 18 in the Wonder Woman 800 story. So, but I feel like Tom King. So so here's my theory, and I could be totally wrong, but I feel like Tom King pitched this to his editor and was like, I want to do this. I want to try this. And there's like, uh, I don't know if this is a good idea. We'll let you do three issues. And so he does three issues and like, it's a hit. People love it. They do a standalone issue of it. And Tom King's like, but what if I kept going? And they're like, okay, it's selling well. We'll let you keep going. So I feel like maybe originally it was just was like a three arc where she grows up. And now he's going back and like filling in the gaps and doing like more little stories. So that's my feeling on it. Love more, please. Agreed. And there's a reason I keep putting these out here because I'm enjoying them a lot. <laughs> so good. All right. That brings us to the end of Greater Gotham. We have one piece of listener feedback from Theo's uh, collection. Wait, from my collection. I mean, you're the one who got it. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to read it? I can read it. Yes, they've read all the comments. I read the comments. Okay. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. So on mm-hmm. Patreon, um, we did a special podcast where we were um, giving our opinions on the three main bat books that we're covering, so Batman and Robin, Batman, and Detective Comics, and we are rating them and kind of just giving our feedback on where we think the books are in general. So not necessarily specific review, but like, what do we think of the book in general? And so Caspian73 gave his rundown. He says, number one is Batman and Robin, as it should be. Number two is Detective Comics, and number three is Batman. And he confesses he stopped pulling after Failsafe. And he says, I wanted Detective Comics to be an all-timer, and it had all the ingredients for being something new, exploring Ra's al Ghul plus Barbados slash Dr. Hurt, but it ended up being another tired deconstruction of Batman and an unoriginal one at that. So I think Batman and Robin is better at doing what it wants to do and appeals to the dynamic duo fantasy that has been missing from the franchise for so long. I'm looking forward to Detective more just because I want to see it act deliver on its setups but it's been dis- a disappointment Zdarsky's Batman is another deconstruction and I don't like his voice for Batman which is much like Frank Miller's with his talk of soldiers I'm not interested in Joker's origin or Elseworlds or Batman versus the Bat family for the upteenth time and another breaking the Bat story that's why I think Williamson is actually being the most original of the three by not doing a tired breakdown or a tired breaking the bat story. I think those are all really good points. Uh, I'm as, as probably, you know, after listening to this, I am really enjoying Zdarsky's thing. So I get all the criticisms. There's just something about his voice that I am digging. I don't think it's going to be an all time favorite of mine, but it, I'm enjoying it. And that's more than I can often say for a Batman. I will say that. But your criticisms are 100% accurate. He is doing a lot of stuff that other people have done. 
And if you're tired of that, then I can understand why you're not digging this. And everyone has a different Batman that they like and a different voice. Of course. Like, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people love Miller. Some people love uh, Snyder. Some people love Morrison. Some people love Tom King. And that is basically just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Tom King. Okay, so that's Steph and Ian. And some people love uh, uh, Chuck Dixon. And that's Theo and me. And that's actually a lot of people. But, um, yeah, everyone has their Batman. Everyone you know, is enjoying different parts. And I'm glad that we have these three different things. Cause honestly, if we didn't have Batman and Robin, I would feel like, I don't know. I feel like it gives us a, a shot in the arm. So I'm really glad we have it. I love that. We have it. Absolutely. Yeah. I would change the artist, but I love that we have it. <laughs> well, and that's just a fill in artist. They're going to get different. Uh, uh, the thing is we're, we're getting a lot of fill in artists. So this was just two issues of cheese. Yeah. And then we're getting a different artist. Uh, I don't think that, um, What's his name? Simone DeMeo is coming back for a little while. My favorite ever Batman Robin story, like Damien Robin, was the black and white Jorge Jimenez story where they're just doing this little setup and while they're like riding bikes together. It's adorbs. It's really good. Yeah. I'm still Wait. trying to figure out what I want to try to get signed by Jorge. Which which one? It's a black and white story where they're riding their bikes together and they're kind of checking out a scene they're going to be staking out the, later that night and they're like make, getting themselves familiar with it. And they're just talking together and they're just being father-son. It's just a really cute little story. And I think Jorge wrote it. Yeah, yeah for it was some reason it was black and white. Yeah. I was thinking about the one where they were on the stakeout. I think that is the one where they're on the stakeout. I think that's the same one, yeah. Yeah. They just okay. they just check it out on their bikes first, and it's just uh huh. And the yep. art is fantastic. Yeah. And at the end, that Damien jumps the gun when Bruce is like, "Yeah, you go bastard." <laughs> okay, yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. Okay, that brings us to Patreon. Yep. Sorry, my brain's broken for some reason. Okay, <clears throat> that brings us to our thank you section. This is a thanks to all our patrons at a certain level. I would like to thank Lisa Slack. Stanton's Grave, Johnny McCloskey, Ian Miller, Ed Grouse, David Richards, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Captain America, Donald Townsend, Rob O, Caspian73, great comment by the way, Brendan Roberts, and Stephanie Mounts. Thank you all for helping us to keep our archive up and keep our episodes coming. We appreciate you greatly. And that brings us to the end of our show. I really appreciate everyone listening. I hope that you'll comment. We had a lot to say and a lot of stuff, both news and reviews to talk about. I really enjoyed talking to my co-host about it. I'd love to talk to you about it, too, on the Discord or by email. In the meantime, this is Ian. This is Dev. And this is Theo. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Joker, year one, part three? Wait, what? Yep. Oh, I thought the other one was part three. Okay. Nope. My bad. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> What do you think about the Folio Society's Batman? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was trying to remember the Von Freeze White Knight. Keep... <laughs> I'm going to edit myself out. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. <laughs> Carry on. This is this is so uh, this is so an outtake right riveting, now. <laughs> riveting radio. <laughs> <laughs>